Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, I'm going to jump into our sermon series about Welcome Home. We're going to talk about your moms are going to talk about some honor today. Amen. Going to talk about honor. But Michael Jordan, you always got to have a Michael Jordan quote, right? Because it's, it's basketball time. Amen. And the Raptors are out. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, so my mother is my root. This is Michael Jordan. He said, my mother is my root. She's my foundation. She planted the seed that I base my life on. And that is the belief that the ability to achieve starts in your mind. Michael Jordan said, my mom taught me that, that you got to believe in yourself. And it starts right up here. Phyllis Diller, how how many people actually remember Phyllis Diller? How many people have no idea who that is? What's wrong with you? Okay. Phyllis Diller was great, but Phyllis Diller says, I want my children to have all the things that I couldn't have. Then I want to move in with them. <laughs> That's what I tell, I tell Carly. Probably scares Johnny to death, but I say, come on, Carly, you got to take care of things because you're going to have to take care of me sooner or later. You know, so, can't we put them in a home? I mean, because... <laughs> No, that's, that's not true. All right. Uh, then you got Spanish proverb. I love this one. This is so good. An ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. An ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. All right, there you go. There's some Mother's Day stuff for you to take around and share with your friends today around the table. Don't say I don't help you out. I give you stuff. I do things. So we've been talking about Jesus' favorite house. We've been talking about welcome home and what it is to come and be welcome in a house where Jesus loved to hang out and he loved to be welcome. Talked about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and we're kind of looking at those texts and hanging our hat on that. But it says, now it happened. They went and they entered a certain village, and a certain woman, she prepared a place. She was ready. She wanted Jesus to be in her house. Don't you want Jesus to be in your house? I mean, it got rumored and, and said abroad that Jesus is in the house as everybody came and everybody got touched. And when it's find out that Jesus is in the house, crowds are going to come because people need to encounter Jesus. But they welcomed him into their house. So we're talking about that. And I summarized everything there uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was using the word culture. And I said, culture. So, I mean, you see the sign on our front yard there when I pulled in a couple weeks ago. It's still the snow there. I got to change that sign just so we can get that out of our memory right there. But, but I saw that. I saw it again going over the bridge today coming in the church about seven o'clock. God loves you. And you know, we're telling people all the time, there's thousands of cars drive by this church every day. You know, when we first moved here, they did a, a calculation that it was over 25,000 cars a day go by our front door. 25,000 thousand cars. I, I was wondering about that. I, I didn't think that was possible. It's more now. It's increased. But I stood there one day and I counted cars. Not the whole day. I just did an average, you know. I just took periods. I counted for a minute and then I multiplied it based on stuff. And I said, man, that's probably true. Thousands of people are going by our door. So we want thousands of people to know that God loves you. Don't we? If you can just tell people one thing, they need to know that God loves them. And I looked at that pulling in and I said, man, I hope that that's not just in the sign, but I hope it's an atmosphere. I hope it's a, a revelation of a culture that, that when people really come in here, they'll not just say, hey, God loves you. Not something verbal, but something that is in our DNA, something that they will feel, something that they will experience, that these are people who don't just talk about it. These are people who've really been invaded by and embody the love of God. So that's where the series comes from. So we've been talking about that. But I want to talk to you about culture. I mean, Peter Drucker, he said, the culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's what he said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Some of you probably, who's Peter Drucker? doesn't really matter. He's an interesting cat, a kind of a leadership guru. But he says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I want you to look at this first, John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. And it's in the message. It says, from now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing. So whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen, for he who is in the Son, I mean it, whatever you request in this way, I'll do it. I thought that's really great. Did you know that, that the message really doesn't matter? Even whatever our strategy is, our vision, our mission, all those things don't matter if there's not, first of all, a culture that supports that. 
And you know, what, what Peter Drucker was trying to say is that, that you can have the best strategies, best mission statements, best thing in the world, but there's not a culture that, that the values and the beliefs and the things attached to that, if that's not embodied by the people that are trying to move that forward, it doesn't matter because culture eats strategy for breakfast. So we don't want to just have great strategy. We want to have great culture. You see, God had an amazing strategy. He decided he'd send his son to set you free. And then after he did that, he would then fill you with his spirit. And then exactly what Jesus did, he's going to send you out to do, and he's going to fill the earth with you. So he has your amazing strategy is that I'm going to fill myself with, fill you with himself. And then through you, he's going to manifest the kingdom of God. But that fantastic mission is not going to mean anything if he doesn't also fill us with his nature. If he doesn't also fill us with that attitude, that same passion, that same demonstration of love and concern for other people. We see in, in Corinthians where it talks about the gifts, the power gifts of the spirit. And it says, man, if you've got those, but you don't have love, it's nothing, nothing. So you can have the most powerful strategy, vision, powerful tools and things to, to get you to your goal. But if the culture to go with it, if the culture that supports it isn't there, and if it's not a culture of love, who cares? So we got to have love. We got to be a place where, you know, there's an atmosphere that's been established, not only where we have a strong strategy from God, the mission of go ye, but we also have internalized the commandment of love one another as I have loved you. So we want to have that really, really clear in us. Did you get that? Did you feel that? That was good, Pastor. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. All right. So we got to be lined up. We got to be aligned with along the same lines of who he is and what he's doing. And then we get the culture. So culture is atmospheric. It is in the DNA of a movement. It's unforced. It's not something you have to force. It's something that naturally flows out of us. It's a culture that, that you may learn it, but, but as it says at the bottom, it's a culture that's more caught than taught. It's like you see by example, this is how people behave in this place. Then our behavior doesn't come from learning a list of stuff. It's by interacting and relationally getting infected with the nature that we want to manifest as a house. So it's a culture. It's a culture and culture is incarnational. Culture is something that you have. Culture is something that's, that's in you and it's incarnational and it can be released and imparted to other people. Culture is like chicken pox. It's contagious. If you're going to get chicken, today they don't even get chicken pox anymore, do they? Do people still get it? Or I think you can get vaccinated now, don't you, or something? Not for chicken pox? Can you still get chicken pox? I don't know. I'm not up to date on all that. I don't know. You know, back in the old days, we used to, if one of the kids at church got it, we'd have a party and get all our kids infected at the same time. Let's have a chicken pox party. Let's get this over with right now with a whole bunch of us. Because look, we were in the nursery together anyway, so we might as well get this done. You know what I mean? So, you know, how do you get chicken pox? You got to hang out with somebody who's got it. It's like that with your culture. You know, you get it because you catch it because people come into a place. They're like, hmm, I like what's going on here. I had a young couple in on Friday and they were like, man, I said, well, how long have you been coming here? They said, one Sunday. I went, really? Because they were so excited about the church. Want to get right plugged in. I'm like, that's fantastic. I said, I like this church. This church is awesome. You guys are nice. You guys are friendly. That was just one Sunday. You know, we'll just hang in there a little bit. You know, we can get ugly. You, know, so, <laughs> you got us on a good one, I think. No, no, it is. It's always good. Now, come on. Our culture's fantastic, Pastor. Stop that. Amen. Talk us up. It's part of our culture to talk us up, Pastor. Don't beat us down. What's your problem? All right. Sorry. Thank you for rebuking me. Okay. Culture is our values, our practices, and our behavior. So I thought I'd back up just say, come on, what is the culture? And it's a culture of, what is it? First of all, it's a culture of love. We talked about love. That was some good sermon on love. Do you remember that one? If you don't remember it, go watch it online because boy, oh boy, that was a good one. And you got to love one another as he has loved you sacrificially. You got anybody in your life that it takes to sacrifice to love? You know what I mean? Man, I'm telling you, it's sacrificially ascribing infinite worth to another. I mean, man, some people shouldn't put their hands up. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but it's sacrificially loving people and loving other people. And, you know, we want that to be manifest in our culture. It's a culture of formation. Uh, Pastor Fanu, when he was with us, he talked about, you know, following Jesus and being with Jesus. You capture something. You, you get, he, he didn't say, come and do this stuff with you. He said, just come and follow me and I will make you. And see, in following him, you hang with him, suddenly it rubs off on you and you get that. See, the purpose of us isn't to celebrate what Jesus did. The purpose of us is to take what Jesus did to fully embody it and continue the work. 
So what we see Jesus did, he didn't do that so that we could say, wow, you're really awesome. He did that to show us this is what a man or a woman can do who's saturated with the power of God. He did that to be an example of this is real life for you human beings, that you can be saturated with the supernatural and you can shatter the enemy's kingdom and you can manifest the goodness of God everywhere you go. So in our culture, there's a culture of formation where we really believe that we're to do the Jesus stuff. We really believe that we are the hero in our own story. We're not waiting for Jesus to show up. We're not saying, uh, what would Jesus do? We're doing, what is Jesus doing? And Jesus is doing the stuff with our hands, with our feet, with our mouth. We are doing the Jesus kind of stuff. So it's a culture for Mathan. Speaking in tongues, it's okay, you're allowed to do that. A culture of acceptance. Zach helped us out with acceptance. And he, he talked about how our culture is not a, it's, it's not a behave, believe, belong. If you behave right, you can hang with us. And then you got to believe the right stuff like we do. And then, okay, you're in. No, with us is, you're in. We love you. You're accepted by God. He's nuts about you. You're forgiven. You're healed. You're free. And you're like, what? And you might say, what, for a long time, but it doesn't change the fact that you belong. We're nuts about you. He's nuts about you. And then you know what? Suddenly, your whole believer gets aligned with him, and then suddenly, there's not a transformation of behavior because we beat you over the head with a bunch of to-do lists. Do this. Now do this. Now do this. Did you do that? You know, suddenly you belong. You get the proper beliefs. You get the proper revelation and understanding of God. You understand the spirit of him in you. And then it's not a bunch of do-do-do's because you realize I can do it because it's done, done, done. Amen. So acceptance. We want people to understand that there's a culture of acceptance here. Amen. Come as you are. Bring your problems and your Bible, but leave your dog at home. Amen. So there's a culture of authenticity. Last week we talked about authenticity and what it is that, you know, you're going to have times where God's really committed to transformation in your life. And if there's things, if you're distanced from him or you're not in the right place with him, he really wants the authentic real you to show up all the time. He doesn't want you to be a pretender or a faker. He doesn't want you to fall back on your defaults and try to control things from your perspective. He wants you to be absolutely free and totally liberated to be exactly where you're supposed to be in tune with God every morning moment, totally real, totally present, totally yourself, and not living on, on, you know, substitutes and other things to try to cope with life. But you're really manifesting the God kind of life in a true and an authentic way. And so we talked last week about all that stuff, and that was good, because he wants us to experience radical life change. Today, we're going to talk about honor. It's a massive subject, but I'm going to cover it in about 25 minutes. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? All right, that'd be a miracle right there, but we're going to try. All right, so here it is. Honor, Romans 12, verse 9, 10, the ESV, it says this. It says, let love be genuine. Amen? Let love be genuine. Don't give me your pretense of phoniness. I love you, pastor, in the Lord. Hallelujah. No. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And here it is. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. And one of my Bibles, it says right above the heading of these verses and below, it says, it says, the lifestyle of a believer. A lifestyle of a believer. And here's one of the things that is the lifestyle of a believer. It's outdo one another in showing honor. Well, I love that because I'm competitive. So if the Bible says outdo people, I'll say, I want to be the best at doing this. I want to be the best at manifesting honor. So honor is something that we should choose. We should go after with everything in us. And it's something that we should desire to be built into the DNA and culture of who we are. Honor. Honor is the word tamao. Tamao. And it means to have an honor, to revere, to venerate as a of great price, precious, esteemed, and especially dear. Honor isn't something you do for the Lord or for others. Honor is something you do for yourself. Honor is something you do because there's incredible results that take place in your life when you choose to adapt in the DNA of who you are, that you will be a person who knows what it is to honor. Say honor. honor. There's been a lot of abuse with honor, and sometimes people preach honor because they want to control people. going to preach on honor today, hallelujah, glory to God. It says in the word that the pastor, the one who teaches the word, he is worthy of double honor. Everybody say double. So whatever you do for honoring anybody else, I get double. Can I say hallelujah, glory to God? It's in the Bible. Don't you love your Bible? It does say it. does. says it in Timothy that those who minister in the word, they're worthy of double honor. That's why 
Most rabbis and synagogues drive Mercedes-Benz. It's the absolute truth. Because in the synagogue, nobody wants to be known as a poor synagogue because the, the man of God in their world, he's, the, he's worthy of double honor. So they make sure that, you know, we don't want to manifest a poor synagogue. <laughs> you know, I go, get, get, the, get the leader of Mercedes. <laughs> Every head bowed, eyes closed. <laughs> Well, you know, you see a lot of stuff where things go on, and that really is in the Word. But, but sometimes when we preach on honor, it's just up. You honor up. And it's, it's just like this one-way path, you know. So everybody honor the pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Send your money forward. And there gets a, sometimes, you know, sometimes I go, I think there's a little more to honor than just that part, right? So honor. Honor isn't something you do for the Lord or others. Honor is something you do that results in blessing for you. Amen. Amen. Say amen. Don't hurt yourself. Honor. Honor. All right, now, look, we're going to go through a few things. You ready? Honor is relational. Honor is relational. 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Another translation says honor all. All. What does that mean? All. It means all. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor or honor the king. Or let's look in the message. It says, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. Hallelujah. Is that in the Bible, pastor? It really, really is. How many love the Bible? Believe it's the word of God. Amen. Well, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Everyone. Honor is something that is relational, and honor is for every single person you run into, they are worthy of your respect. You are biblically, you are biblically directed that every person, every single person you encounter, they are worthy of you honoring them and treating them and esteeming them above yourself. Well, you know, I like to honor those that are worthy of honor. No, the Bible says, you know, give honor where honor is due. Well, the Bible also says honor is due to everyone. Oh, yes. It says it in more than one place. Well, I kind of thought people had to qualify for honor. No, every single person you run into is worthy of honor. That's why every single person who walks in the doors of this church... I don't care where they're from, what they've been doing, who they are. I don't care if they just lost all their money down the road at the track, put everything in the slot machine. I don't care if they got one leg, two legs, three legs. I don't care if they're black, green, purple, green, whatever they are. I don't care if they smell good, smell bad. I don't give a rip. Every single person who walks through those doors is worthy of our absolute honor and our absolute respect. Because we're supposed to receive others as Jesus received us. I can tell you, Jesus received me in some really bad periods of my life. Thank God he was still willing to walk in the room. Amen. All right. It's good, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. It's good. Okay, treat everyone, every single... So honor is relational. Now let's get to Mother's Day. You ready? Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. This is one of the top 10 lists. Oh, we don't have to worry about the 10 commandments. We're in the new covenant now. We're under grace. Well, you still have to not worry about the 10 commandments. We have to realize that the 10 commandments are good. The law, it says, is perfect converting the soul. And the law is not bad. It's just that if you try to lose the law to become righteous and accepted to God, you'll never make it because the power of sin is the law. And the law will constantly show you that you're a failure, but it doesn't mean that the law isn't perfect. And it doesn't mean that the aim of God and the spirit of God is to get you to a place where obeying the law, honoring the law is is just second nature because it's his nature that's at work in your life. So there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is only bad if you're trying to use the law and, and trying to find stuff to obey in your flesh to try to make yourself, am I pleasing to you yet? You'll never be pleasing to him by trying to obey the law. You'll only be pleasing when you accept the finished work of the cross. That's it. But that doesn't mean the law is bad. The law is awesome. And there's a lot of wonderful stuff in there that you should read, pay attention to, and say, Lord, if that's something you desire, Holy Spirit, bring it forth in my life. It was a really good spot for an amen right there. Lord, if that's something you desire, that's something you will in my life, I ask you, Holy Ghost, to bring it into manifestation in my life. Hey, there we go. That's awesome. Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It's a commandment that has a promise attached to it. What's the promise, pastor? That it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. 
then look in the verse above. The verse above says that you're going to live long. Your days will be blessed in, in, long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. There's stuff that the Lord is giving to you. And honor has something to do with you laying hold of God's very best in your life. Everybody say honor. All right, you got to honor everybody, and honor is relational. You can't be manifesting honor if you're sitting at home by yourself all the time. Honor, something's got to be challenged and worked out every day in your life. Say honor. Honor. Honor is relational. Honor. Honor is, look at this little picture here. I made this one all by myself. I thought I did really good. But you know what? Honor's 360. Honor's not just upper to he who thinks worthy of it. Honor goes 360 in every aspect of your life, every single place you find yourself, every person you're with, wherever you are, you have to outdo others in honor. Outdo one another. Go beyond one another. Think of ways that you can be better at honor and not just honoring those that you think are worthy, but honoring 360 in every aspect of your life because God wants you to honor everybody. All right, relationships of honor have. Relationships of honor have. This is personal. You ready? They have brought about the greatest transition and transformations in my life. More than a miracle, a a prophetic word, more than anything, all those things have been great in my life, but real transformation has taken place in my life when I'm two feet from somebody I've chosen to honor. When I've honored people and I've let people into my world and I've been willing to be authentic with people, where I have honored relationships, honoring other people has caused the greatest transition and greatest transformation in my life. I mean it. I really do. And if you understand honor and you embrace it, this teaching today can put you in a new place in your walk with others, in your walk with God, and release things in your life. Honor. Honor's also brought about the greatest joy in my life. There's there's people God's brought in my life that at first I was like, this is kind of interesting. But you know what? I chose to honor them. I chose to honor people that, 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 you know, I was like, wow, this is a bit of a challenged relationship, but I honored anyways. And then there's times where I think of Stefan. When Stefan came into my office the first time, I was like, ooh, God, what are you doing with this guy? You know, but the Lord, Lord, I said, how, how am I going to honor in this situation? How am I going to honor this life? How am I going to show honor here? And I just let the Lord breathe through me, speak through me. You know what? It's the greatest joy in my life. Every week, Stefan calls me with some other thing that God has favored him with and opened doors for him. And he's like, you know, thanks, Pastor. I just want to let you know, put this in my file because look what God did today. I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's been asked to be one of the speakers at our national conference now. I'm like, man, I'm not even speaking at the national conference. I mean, what's going on? But you know, when you see people that that you chose right there to say, I honor you, I love you, I see the very best for you in your life. And you know what, people I have honored, because I've chosen to honor in relationships, it's brought the greatest joy in my life. It really has. It's so good. It's brought about the most pain in my life. Honoring people's brought about a lot of pain. There's people, the greatest pains in my life have happened from people many times that I release the greatest honor to in my life relationally. Those are the people that that hurt me the best. I mean, you know, they hurt you the best because you opened your whole heart up. You became incredibly vulnerable. You spent all kinds of time within two feet. And then all of a sudden, things went weird. Things went sideways. You desperately try and you want to see things restored. You want to see things pulled back together. And it says in in Romans 12, in that same passage, as much as it's possible with you, live at peace with all men. Do as much as you can do. But I tell you, there's honorable relationships. Honoring people loves a risk. It can be painful, but it's okay. Because, you know, in all those situations, I reckon that God said, I need to break your heart a little, not because I want to break your heart, but because I want to give you more capacity for my life. I want to make more room for me and you. And this may be painful, and I don't will it. I didn't will the pain. But trust me, if you endure through this and you keep a proper attitude, I'll make more capacity for myself and you. And I said, okay, but it really hurts. Anybody ever been really hurt? Anybody? All heads bowed, eyes closed. (laughs) Just me. Okay, that's good. Me and destiny, apparently, that was it. Maybe we hurt each other, destiny. I don't know we should stop. I mean, my God, we should get along. It also brought about periods, I can think about periods in my life where I went through sometimes uh, relationships of honor, good, bad, all of the above. I look back over my life, and you know what? Some of the greatest releases and seasons of anointing in my life came through periods where I chose to honor, and I chose to practice honor, and I saw the greatest demonstration of God in my life. Can you say thank you, Pastor, for being vulnerable with us? 
All right, that's good. All right, just, just trying. All right, good, good. Okay, so honor. Honor requires humility. Honor requires humility. It says Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humiliation. So you're gonna, it's going to be humility one way or another. It says, humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. But you know what? If you don't humble yourself, God will, and he's really good at it. Really good, you know? So pride ends in humiliation. Anybody, anybody's pride showing a little bit? Anybody? So good to pastor such a perfect church. Anyway, so, so just a little bit, you know, but while humility brings honor, humility brings honor. What is humility? I love, I love there's a, the Greek word for humility, it's this, it's two words, it's your midriff is close to the ground. So I have a lot of humility because my midriff is closer to the ground than most people, you know. What he's saying, he says, your center, the center of who you are, it's not lifted up. The word for pride means to overshine. Two words, over and shine. <laughs> You're overshining right there, that's awesome. You see, humility means you keep yourself close to the ground, understanding this. You know what? If I have revelation, if I have anything, if I have any blessing in my life, he's the source of every good thing. And I can stay humble and keep my life simple because God's the author of it all, and that's the way it is. Amen? So, but humility, it's an important thing. Honor requires humility. Uh, Proverbs 15, there's all kinds of verses where humility and honor are connected. Fear the Lord and his instruction and wisdom and humility comes before honor. Before honor, you have to walk in. Before you can express it or even walk in it, there's got to be an embracing of humility. Say, thank you, pastor. All right, now listen, familiarity quenches honor. Thank you. Quenches honor. Mark chapter 6, 4 to 6. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, this is where Jesus got up and said, basically told them, hey, everybody, I'm the Messiah. They're like, oh, my goodness. What is wrong with that guy? Did he hit himself in the head with a hammer trying to make that cabinet or what? Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he? We know Joseph. Look, his family's here with us. I mean, who does he think he is? I mean, my goodness. He just said he's the Messiah. Like, what is he doing? So it says, Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could do no mighty works there. Say no. He couldn't do any mighty works there. You know why? Familiarity. Where does familiarity, what's familiarity rooted in? It's rooted in family, familial. It's rooted in something like, I know you. I mean, Pastor Carl, I've hung out with you. I mean, I've played volleyball with you. You're not very good. I've seen you with shorts on. Oh, my God. You know, and like, then you stand up here and you have to preach, and all I can see is that guy flailing at a ball. I'm going, he can't even hit a ball. How can he teach us the word? And I played a game with him once, and I think he cheated, you know. So he cheated at that. He'll probably cheat us in the Bible. I was cheating on purpose. It was obvious. Come on. But, you know, sometimes we can get real close to people, and suddenly, you know, I've had people. I, I, in my years of ministry, I've had people, I listen to their language, and I hear them say things, that's just Carl. Wow. That's just Carl. And, and that's okay, because I am just Carl. I really am. But you know what, when you get to a place where somebody in your life is just this or just that, whatever is going to flow from them to you just got stopped. Because you know, it says that people who are wise, they provide the priesthood with garments. They cover them. Why? Because, yeah, I got warts, bumps, lumps, stuff. I say genitals instead of generational. (laughs) I've been known to do that but it's clearly there. It's a seminal thing. It's all tied together. It makes total sense. It's not weird at all. I can't believe he said that. How can I receive anything from a guy who bumbles over that? I've bumbled over a lot of stuff, actually. But you know what? You set apart in your heart this person as a gift of God in your life. And I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about every person you run into. When you set them apart as a gift of God in your life, you can receive from them. But when you don't, when you walk around like, well, you know, you got to kind of hit this sudden little meter before, you know, I'll pay attention to you. I only listen to special people. You know what? It's the unspecial people who've taught me the most in my life. Thank God for all the special people. But often, it's the unspecial people in unspecial places where I've had super special transformations. It's real important. But you see, here's what happened there was unbelief took place. And you see, it says that he, look at this. He said he he healed, laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled. He marveled. God Almighty marveled because of their unbelief. 
Well, Pastor, you go off to Africa and India and signs and wonders and healings. Why don't you do that stuff here? Let's move on to the next point. So... <laughs> We do do that stuff here. It happens in our small groups. It, happens. it doesn't have to be in a church service. I don't have to do it. I pray for very, very few people around here, not because they don't want to, but because every one of us should be equipped to do the stuff. We get more healing goes on in our small groups than any other place because you know what? That's the body ministering to itself, and you don't need some superhuman guy up here. If only we could get a super duper duper pastor, then we could really see this church grow. If you want a personality cult, there's several of them in town. Knock yourself out. But we want to see the body of Christ, every single person equipped. We want to see each and every person grow. And we want to see people honoring each other, every single one. Every single one. How are you doing today? Are you okay? Have I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you there's no one above you? There's a love that's divine. And it's yours and it's mine. It's like the sun. It's that stuff that annoys me, Pastor. Right there, you know. You just... <laughs> it's not that Jesus didn't want to heal people. It's not that he didn't want every single person to be delivered. It's not that he didn't want to manifest the fullness of the kingdom. It says he could not because of familiarity. And that familiarity bred a culture of disrespect and dishonor, which led to unbelief, which led to a blockage in the flow of God. Little old man, little old man doing a little bit of dishonor can mess up the whole flow of the kingdom of God. Familiarity quenches honor. Familiarity quenches honor. Here's another one. This is a good one right here. I, I could meddle a ton on this one, but I don't have time and I want to keep a few friends. Okay? Entitlement is the fruit of dishonor. Entitlement is the fruit of dishonor. And it's biblical. I'll read it for you. You can read the whole thing, but I'm going to read it for you. Proverbs 30, verse 11 to 15. There's way more places than just this, but I'm telling you, entitlement just cuts off the flow of God. There is a generation that curses its father. It does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Then all of a sudden it goes, Ert! the leech has two daughters, give and give. You go, well, that's a weird turn. That's not a weird turn. What he's trying to say is that culture says, give me, give me. And it's never satisfied. You owe me, you owe me, give, 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 give. I want to throw something down here, all right? It's an everyone owes me attitude. But listen, you can be right about wrong, but wrong about rights. Let me say it again. <laughs> you can be right about wrong. But you can be wrong about rights. And see, suddenly we have a culture that's risen up and said, to make this thing straight, to bring equity, to bring balance, to bring tension to what's going on, we have to demand our rights. And that's demonic. It's right from the pit of hell. Because you know what? If you get a right revelation that is wrong, you overcome evil with good. And you know, if that was wrong, then cut it off right there. You be gracious. You minister. You see what Jesus did? Jesus, there was a massive wrong in the earth. What did he do? He came and he laid down his life for it. He absorbed all the pain. And he took it all on himself. And then what did he cry out? There, now you all owe me. No, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There should be a whole lot more forgiveness in the earth. And believers should be the best at it. But I find we're pretty good at trying to enforce our rights, too. Then we wonder, where did they get that from? Where did they get that attitude from demanding their rights? Because we've demanded everybody be like us for years. We've demanded, this is the behavior that's acceptable. Everybody be like us. Now they're saying, there's more of us than you now. Everybody be like us. If we're going to change culture, we've got to change its heart. We've got to do it through grace, and we've got to do it through love, and we've got to do it through service, not through billboards and placards. We got to do it because we love people. Are you okay? I mean, what happened there? Check your neighbor, see if they have a pulse. I mean, you can mess around here for a while, but I tell you, there's nothing like entitlement to crush honor and to breed the fruit of dishonor. 
Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Let's move on quickly. All right. Honor releases faith. Honor releases faith. There's so many places in the Bible where you, you start to understand, you start to see faith manifest. You'll see that what was first manifest in the heart of those people was honor. You see the, the woman, the Syrophoenician woman who, you know, she's like, uh, uh, you know, I got a daughter who's demon-possessed, and Jesus says, we're just outside of my boundaries for a vacation. I can't do any miracles outside of Israel. I was only sent to Israel, and she said, even the dogs get crumbs off the table. You can do it. You can do it. She was honoring him. She's bowing down before him. She was even, you know, sucking up all the insults. She refused to step into a position of dishonor. She honored him. She worshiped him. You can change my world. And he said, man, this is incredible. This is mega's faith. And she got a breakthrough because she refused to let go. She hung on to that place of honor. And she knew if he is who he says he is, I can get a breakthrough. Then there was the centurion. There's a centurion. He answered and said, Lord, you know, he said, look, I got it. And I love it because all these people all came on behalf of somebody else wasn't even their own personally. They came because they were moved with empathy for another person's life. And this centurion came because of one of his servants who wasn't well. And he's like, I need something to happen. And I know you can do it. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. And he says, no, no, if you are, you say you are, and I believe you are. You don't even have to come to my house. I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. He said, but because you are who you are, and because you have all authority over all things, and I've seen it, I honor you and say, just speak the word. And everything in the world will have to shift. And whatever you say, Everything will align with that word. Just speak the word, and then it'll be done. You don't have to come to my house, although that would be really cool. Jesus is coming to my house, to my house, to my house. You know what? Stay busy with all these people. You don't have to do a big sidetrack for me. Just speak the word, because you are God Almighty. Say it, and it'll be done. Jesus said, man, I haven't seen anybody like this. This guy knows who I am. He knows that he's aligned himself with who I am and what I can do. And because he's aligned himself with that culture of honor, he says, great faith has got a great manifestation in Revelation. I'm spitting a lot today. I can see like tracer bullets going in the lights there. This is a serious spit sermon. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is spitting good in the spray zone. Glory to God. All right, let's move on. Honor releases faith. Honor engages promise. Proverbs 3, 8 to 10, we read it at offering time. But listen, when you step into a realm of honor, it'll be health to your flesh, strength to your bones, honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits, and it'll bring increase. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow. I mean, oh my goodness, God Almighty is making a promise to you, not because he's insecure and he needs, I'm honoring you, Lord. You feel better now? No, he's always, he never feels bad. He doesn't have a bad day ever. It's not about him and needing to be stroked. It's about when you align yourself with him, you align yourself with the full flow of his inheritance in your life. The blessing of God flows to people when they make their lives a living, walking, breathing culture of DNA honor. Honor, honor. Give me another slide. Honor, honor secures your destiny. Honor secures your destiny. Honor, that word honor is the word kavod. It's where kavod is where glory comes from. It's weighty, heavy. Honor your father and your mother. Pull the glory out of those people in your life. Honor the glory that's in them. And you do that, your father, your mother says, your days, that your days may be long in the land that the father is. God is giving you. God is giving you something. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a destiny that is wonderful and is glorious. But you know, when you choose to honor, honor will secure God's purpose in your life and your destiny. This isn't just, yeah, well, we're a church of honor. Hey, we're a church of honor. Stop that. I didn't think the pastor was really that great today. Hey, we're a church that honors around here. Even though he was really bad, still say he was okay. I don't need that. It is what it is. We, we evaluate my sermons every Tuesday. And I'm really disappointed in my staff because, my God. <laughs> you know, honor and honor. And you're honoring your mother and your father. I mean, there's so much promise in that. Honor mom today. Cheryl, call your mother. You texted her already? Oh, miracles happen every week. It's so good. Honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. Amen. Amen. Give me another slide. We're doing good. Honor secures freedom. Honor secures freedom. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse. When you make honor a lifestyle, you free yourself from control. A lot of people preach honor and they think it's how I control people. This church honors people. Hallelujah. So make sure you're doing it, especially the pastor. 
Sometimes I hear it, and it's like we're all being controlled. Like, God bless you, favored, totally blessed, holy, glory to God. I hope I said that right. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's just so tense and so... Ooh. You know, when you really do, from your heart, live totally free in honoring people, you're free from control. Totally free from the control of other people. I don't want to control you. I'm having a hard enough time taking care of me. I have no desire to know what you're doing 24-7. I'm sorry to tell you, but I don't. I do pray for you. Maybe not 24-7, but I do pray for you every day, every single day. I do that because I love you, not because you control me. But you know, I walk in honor and I honor you. Therefore, when you do offend me and drive me crazy, it'll never control me because I still honor you no matter what you do. Hey, isn't that good? I've, actually, I've never been offended by anybody here, so that was just an example that could happen. <laughs> but you know, when you, when you choose that you're going to honor people and esteem them better than you, then you know what? You don't have expectations of them to perform a certain way and jump through hoops to be your friend. And when you decide, I'm just going to honor you because honor is my lifestyle, you're totally free of the control and manipulation of other people. You ever seen people that when one friend walks in the room, hey, how you doing? And then the other friend walks in the room, praise Jesus, hallelujah. It's like they perform and they, they go through a dance just because whoever I'm with, I, I, I got to play by their rules. You know, I don't play by anybody's rules, but I honor everybody. Honor every single person. Don't set up people with, you got to behave this way to be my friend. That's not honor, that's control. How are you? My wife keeps slapping the clock. I don't know if that means the time's gone or she just wants me to shut up. I'm not sure what it is. But, hey, I want to finish up. I do, though. First, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, and then verse 10 is right here. Now David. This is when David, he was now set up, and David took over the kingdom. And his enemy, Saul, who was his father in the Lord, and he loved him. He, even though Saul wanted to kill him, David never dishonored Saul in his heart. The one time that Saul relieved himself in a cave and David cut a little piece out of his robe. And he cut the little piece out of his robe because he just wanted Saul to know that when you were there relieving yourself, I was this close to you and I could have taken your life, but I didn't. But then when Saul was out and David ran to the front of the cave and he said, my father, my father, forgive me. I can't believe I even touched your garment. I can't believe I cut this crest off your garment. Please forgive me. David, the guy was trying to kill you. Who cares if you cut a bit of his cloth? David had honor as a lifestyle. You know, even though that person was chucking spears at me, I still refused to dishonor him because he's my father in the Lord and he's worthy of my respect. And I even esteem him who desires my life. I esteem him better than myself. Wow, pretty deep stuff. Well, here's what happened when, when everything was gone and he was brokenhearted. Saul was gone and his best friend Jonathan died at his father's side and David was heartbroken. And David, he came into the place where he was the king and he said, is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I might show kindness? I just, I can't believe that's happened. I can't believe that went that way. But is there anyone in his house that I could show kindness to? And he said, especially for Jonathan's sake, I love Jonathan and he loved me. And they said that there is, there's a, a son of Jonathan who when they were escaping was dropped and he's lame and he's hiding in a place of barrenness and brokenness and shame. He said, get him out of barrenness, get him out of brokenness, get him out of the place of shame. And he said, Mephibosheth, you, your master's son, you shall eat at my table always. I love these passages in the scripture where, where people who could have said, well, they were goofy people. You know, I'm going to discard them from my life. But you know what? Honor is all about restoration. Honor is all about restoration. It's not about retribution. It's not about, you know, deserving. It's about restoring. Honor always restores. One more slide, I promise. Luke 15, 30 to 32. He's throwing a feast. And he said, look, the, the brother who stayed home, he comes and he hears the party. And he says, this son of yours, who's devoured your livelihood with harlots, and, he, and you have now killed the fatted calf for him. I mean, your son, who took everything of yours that you blessed him with and went and squandered it on parties and prostitutes. I mean, he comes home and you honor him with a ring, with sandals and a robe and a party. Are you kidding me? 
He should have been taken out back and beaten. He should have at least crawled for a little while. You should have sent him out to find me and I'd have given him some work to do. But no, I mean, he comes smelling like a pig, wanders up the street, comes up the driveway. You run up and grab him and say, let's honor him with a party. He's home. See, the big brother in us says, I can't honor that. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't respect people who are total screw-ups. They don't believe the way I do, think the way I do, see the word the way I do. They don't, they don't smell the way I do. Ah, that's a big brother syndrome. It really is. You know what? The word of God wants you to honor everyone. Everyone. And if you want to honor him, then you'll honor every other person. I mean, how can you say you love God and you can't love the people right in front of you? Honor's a big deal. And he says, the father said it was right that we should make Mary and be glad. For your brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Come on, stand up with me. Honor's all about restoration. It really is. He said, I do, I do want the culture of this house to be a place where there is honor. I, I, I honor, and you should honor on purpose. And you should honor your pastor. You should honor leaders. You should honor, you know, people that, you know, are honorable. But you know what? You should honorable everybody. You shouldn't even have a scale. Well, you know, uh, they're worthy of this much honor. Well, they're not so much. Honor 360. Honor all around. And you see, a, a house that really manifests that God loves you, I tell you, what will God do with a house that really manifests that? What could God do with the people sold out to honoring 360? What could he do? Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Listen, honor is about restoration. I'll tell you something, God honors you. He loves you. God honors you so much that while you were yet a sinner, while you were broken and messed up, he sent his son to bring restoration. He sent his son and it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God gave himself that he could bring you back into a relationship with him. God esteemed you way bigger than himself. And he laid down his life. No greater love has any man than this and he lays down his life for his friends. And you know what? You're his friends more than that. You're his children, and in your whole life, you've never lived an unloved moment. And the one who loves you deeply is here right now. And he wants to honor you. He wants to express himself to you fully. He wants you to experience the fullness of what it is to be a child of God. And now listen, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you don't know what that means or what that's about, but you're here today, I'm telling you, God honors you, loves you, and wants to restore you to himself. He literally says, welcome home, welcome home, come on. You know, if you're not sure, you don't know, and you're saying, I, I, I don't know, and I, I, I don't think I've ever actually made him, my Lord and my Savior, accepted him as that person who did it all to bring restoration for me, but I want to right now, I want to. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive him, and I want to receive what he's done for me. Now, if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three, but at three, do me something, do this. Raise your hand up really high so I can see it. And then we're going to pray together. All of us are going to pray. But you put your hand up and just identify, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept him today. I want to embrace what it is to be a child of God. So I'm ready. That's your heart, Peter Patter. That's Jesus loving on you. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. And you need to do it today. You really do. You need to accept him. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three and you put your hand up really high. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up really high so I can see it all the way up. All the way up. Anyone? I'm seeing okay. Everybody good? Well, thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, I pray today. Lord, I'm... I am just Carl. I really am. That's all I am and all I aspire to be is the authentic version of myself. But Lord, as we share today about honor, I pray that you would let the word of God touch people's hearts today. I pray that it wouldn't be distorted, misunderstood, or in any way that I would have been an improper filter for your truth. Because Lord, honor is a big deal. It really is. And it's something that has incredible benefits. And as your word said, that, you know, honoring your father and your mother, it's a, it's a 
command, but it's a command with great promise. And I thank you that everything you've commanded us to do, everything your truth requires, the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost is at work in us to bring it into manifestation. So we can be a place where honor is authentic, honor is real, honor isn't pretense or put on, but honor is a real genuine part of our culture. And it's something we do 360 all the way around. And Father, it's my honor, it's my greatest honor to be able to do this and to stand here and serve. It's a holy, holy thing to break your word in front of people. And I'm greatly honored to share in the lives of these dear folks. I'm greatly humbled to be a part of this incredible family of people. And I love them deeply and dearly. And I want you to bless them. I thank you for my mom and I thank you that her legacy, I, I want to do it good service. And I thank you for all she's been to me, for my wife, my daughter who's a mother. Just, Lord, I'm so grateful for mothers today. Father, I pray for people whose family wasn't good, whose upbringing, it wasn't great. And when I think about family and things like that, instead of happy times or happy feelings, there's, there's really kind of brokenness or emptiness and it doesn't foster great feelings in their lives. In Jesus' name, I speak to the pain and I pray that you would heal that. The people in those homes were broken. The people were doing their best and maybe it wasn't good but brokenness breeds brokenness. Father, we forgive. We release. We're going to let it go. And even that is not going to control my life. The pains and hurts of relationships and things past, I'm not going to take them forward with me. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, touch my broken heart. Heal me. And at the same time, enlarge my capacity to love others. Oh, Lord, just baptize us. Even though we've had, all of us, painful relationships, we choose to honor. So thank you for healing right now. Thank you for restoring right now. And thank you for blessing right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for incredible moms. Thank you for incredible women who serve you with indignity and great honor. Bless them today. Bless them all. I pray in Jesus' name. I'm just going to ask those that are ministering at the altar today. I know it's Mother's Day and you got to go places and do things, but we do want to give people a chance. If you need prayer, you need ministry in any way, there's folks that are ready to pray for you today. And so they're coming right now and they're all here. A lot of really wonderful things happen right here at the altar. So you can get prayer today. Terry wants the others to pray for him. All right. We're going to anoint Terry with oil today and pray for him too. So it says, come. It says, call the elders. The prayer of faith, it says, is going to heal the sick. So we're going to anoint oil and pray for Terry today as well. So uh, right now, I'm going to bless you. You ready? Well, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the house of God. Thank you for the beautiful people. Thank you for guests, visitors, moms, dads, people that are here with us today. We're so blessed to fellowship with them. But I pray, Father, that your great love would invade every heart. I pray, Jesus, that your grace would just animate each of us. The, the revelation of our absolute acceptance by you would so animate us with full joy and righteousness. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would baptize you afresh and new, that he would just put you on like a garment and take you into the mission field of the world where you are and demonstrate the good news of a wonderful God. So I loose you to go, enjoy your family, minister the goodness of God everywhere you are, demonstrate the favor of God and the honor of God to each and every one. That God be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.